When Kid Flash, Aqualad, and Robin took off for Hatton Corners, each thought he'd been summoned to settle some typical teenage trouble, never suspecting that they'd be teaming up to battle a menace that catapulted them into the peril of their lives when they met the Thousand and One Dooms of Mr. Twister. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Brave and the Bob. And I am here to talk about a crazy issue, one of the earlier issues, uh, especially as far as uh, you know, the Silver Age is concerned and a group called the Teen Titans. Uh, so I have uh, my buddy Ed Moore here with me. How are you, man? Doing pretty good this evening, Billy. How about you, sir? I am doing fantastic. So this crazy issue we're going to talk about tonight, <laughs> uh, this is a good one. And I mean, when I saw this cover, I thought to myself, am I missing something here? What in the world is going on here? And usually when I see a cover that's like that, I, I can tell right away I'm going to have a good time when the, co the cover already <laughs> has me thinking, what? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is going to be uh, uh, Brave and the Bold, number 54, from 1964. So, you know, we're going back to earlier Silver Age here, 1960s, and uh, this is a pretty cool one. So... Yeah, you know, I think there's a, you know, what what was the uh, real reason behind uh, checking this one out? I know you and I talked offline a bit. There was something that really caught your eye about this one. This was kind of um, the beginning of the Teen Titans. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, growing up and when I was getting into comic books, um, I, I had a buddy, as a lot of us do, that either gets us into something or we drag into something uh, with us when we do it. And uh, when I was getting into comic books, I veered off towards the X-Men. Well, my, my buddy Blaine, uh, but Blaine was kind of a name then. So we called him Willie B and he dug that. So it was, so me, <laughs> me and Willie B he, um, he veered over towards the teen Titans, but at the time it was the new teen Titans, right? So that's the, mm -hmm. uh, the Wolfman Perez, Perez, excuse me, Teen Titans. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I haven't really read too much Teen Titans, but they have always been uh, there in, in my peripheral. I've always noticed them and, and kind of just, uh, you know, side-eyed, just kind of kept up with what was going on with them, but I never really read the, the books. So um, when I found out that, you know, they kind of started here, there's another issue where I think they really get the credit as being started. Uh, as far as Brave and the Bold is concerned. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I, I thought, well, you know, let me let me pull this out and, and read this and see what the, the quote unquote, you know, unofficial first story was like. And and that's basically what uh, and, and honestly, these three characters that are in this are the three characters that uh, that are, are more interesting to me than the fourth character that is added in their next appearance anyway. So it, it's not like I. I thought that it was missing anything by not having that fourth Titan in there. Um, anyways, so, so I, I kind of dug these characters and the, the teenageness of these characters at the time and, and things like that. So I was, I was wanting to, uh, to go back to this. I, I did read this, but, um, yeah, way too many years to some, so many that I don't have the fingers to count how long ago it was in years. So that's, <laughs> That's, you know, that's how long ago it was. I, I didn't remember a whole lot of it, but I, I did remember feeling the way that I felt today when I read it, that just that fun kind of just campy kind of spirit that a lot of these uh, books at this time have, particularly from from Haney. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's that's always what will drag me into a book, even if it's a, a team or a character that I'm kind of just like, you know, on the fence about. If I see it's uh, written by Haney, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> I, sure. I, I'm there. And this is uh, this is one of them. So, yeah, June, July 1964 is the cover date on this one. And speaking of covers, so we have uh, Bruno Premiani. Now, I know that name from, oh, what's that team he did? Oh, even earlier than this. Wasn't it the late 50s or early 60s, that one team he did the artwork for? Did, did he do a lot of stuff for uh, Doom Patrol? Yes, that was it. Yeah, Okay, Doom yeah, Patrol. That's, that's kind of where uh, the the link that I have in my mind when I saw that name, I'm like, well, he did a lot of the Doom Patrol uh, cover or interior art. I'm not sure which one, because there's another group that I'm not overly familiar with, the Doom Patrol. And honestly, what I do know about the Doom Patrol is from listening to a podcast by our buddy Paul Hicks, <laughs> to, to be mm. honest. So that's, that's my Doom Patrol knowledge is listening to his podcast. Yeah, and he uh, joined me to talk about their very first appearance. I think it's My Greatest Adventure. It might be in issue 80, I think, because I definitely okay. wanted to, you know, jump around and, and cover some more, more, you know, seminal DC stuff because that's more of a blind spot for me than Marvel stuff because I was a Marvel reader for a very long time. So I tried to dive headfirst into DC here, and I thought, oh, what about this team that, you know, kind of, you know, predates X-Men by a hair, and I thought, I, th- I think it's uh, Arnold Drake. And then I thought, well, who's this artist, Bruno Premiani? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk to Paul about this one. And we talked about that very first issue, yep. which was great. Yeah, we had a real good time with that one. But yeah, that's how I know this name, too. So, all right. What do you think about this cover? This is a wild cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, now, on its own, it, it's one thing. But compared to uh, the cover for another book that we read, what stood out to me is that this one... This is a full bleed cover, um, and and so I I can't necessarily say that that it happened a lot or it didn't happen a lot at this time for DC, but I, I can say that that stands out to me with all the other you know indicia stuff title stuff all that kind of placed over the cover rather than big sections blocked out or or whatever like you'll see on some covers so that that really jumped out to me maybe makes it a little bit more distracting than, than having um, like the, the logo or the names of the people that appear uh, uh, black colored or blocked so that it blocks out the image underneath it. Uh, But, but I like it because to me that, that is different. You can see the full cover and with a little bit of, you know, concentration, you can kind of focus past all these other things that were laid up on top and really get a, a good vision of the entire piece of artwork that they used for the cover so i I kind of like that yeah this is a pretty cool cover it's wild though i mean it has the uh the old school brave and the bold logo you know where it's almost like a flag waving with the brave and the bold on it up there on the top and then it says kid flash aqualad and robin and we get robin is here and he's carrying aqualad and kind of dragging kid flash while this insane looking villain that uh, the guy looks like he's, you know, Paul Revere, but he has this crazy coat on. Yeah. And he has a staff with all these, like, uh, feathers on it, like some kind of Native American type thing. Right, yeah. And he's in the midst of a whirlwind as well, effect, as if he's, you know, creating this whirlwind. And he's saying, you're finished, Robin. If Kid Flash and Aqualad couldn't stop my firestorm with their superpowers, what chance do you have? <laughs> And and that's that's it too. It's raining on top of everything else you said. It's raining fire. 
Yeah, and there's like a town behind them on fire. And yeah, this is a crazy cover. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot going on on that cover for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. You, you you can't go wrong with this. Again, it, it's it's crazy. It's, you know, it, it's Bob Haney to the max here. So, all right, well, here, well, let's get right into this one. So this one is uh, uh, The Thousand and One Dooms of Mr. Twister. And it's a story by uh, Zany Bob Haney. And the interior art is also by... Uh, Bruno Premiani as well. And I'll just read a quick little blurb here they have on uh, Grand Comics Database because DC Fandom, which I typically would use for a synopsis, it it's literally a mile long. Like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> it is really, really long. And I figure if we're going to go over things basically, you know, scene by scene anyway or page by page, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to get through everything anyway. So why read a synopsis that's like four paragraphs long? That's right. Just, yeah, for sure. Doesn't make doesn't make any sense. So uh, this one just again, it's a one liner. It says Mr. Twister has kidnapped all the teenagers from Hatton Corners, <laughs> which is is true. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, <laughs> he actually does do that. And uh, we're going to find out who this uh, weird dude is. And I love weird, strange villains. And especially when they have uh, bizarre origin stories. And this guy has uh, one of the most bizarre I've ever heard of in my life, right? <laughs> yep, yep. So what about the first page here? This very splash page here, it's, you know, kind of a Silver Age uh, splash page where it shows uh, the action already uh, like in the middle of the story going on here to kind of grab you and pull you in right away. What do you think of this? Well, automatically it, it grabs me because you, you see a divide between all of the adults and all of the non-adults. I'm sure there are more than just teenagers as far as age, but essentially that's what we're doing. We have the adults on one side, uh, literally on the page, and we have all the teenagers on the other side. So opening the story, the first two panels, you you understand that there's some conflict that is 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 age-driven. All of those people of a certain age are one side, and all of those less than that age are on the other side of whatever this, uh, this conflict is. Yeah, I love how Aqualad is in the water, and he says, Leaping Mantas, that weird wind funnel. It'll stop Kid Flash before he can catch Robin, and Robin is about to land on his coconut and get his head smashed open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. And it's, it's, you know, again, if you're thinking, okay, this is a silver age comic and there's, you know, little kids reading this and they're going to be like, Whoa, what's going on here? They're definitely going to uh, flip the page for sure. And I love when you flip the page and uh, we have the mayor here and he says, uh, fellow citizens, I propose a curfew to solve our town's teenage problem. And uh, some guy says, right, we're with you mayor. And there's a bunch of kids in the, uh, it looks like, you know, it's like maybe City Hall or something like that when they have uh, signs and stuff like that. And <laughs> I love how <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I guess it's a bunch of adults in there and they have signs that say teenagers toe the mark. Adults have rights to and more chores, less play. <laughs> Don't forget the banner at the top. Say no to teenage demands. <laughs> teenage demands. Yeah. Yeah. OK. I, you know, now I. I'm I'm pretty old, you know, so I was a teenager. Uh, let's see, when would I actually been a teenager in the, through the 80s, maybe uh, 60 or uh, well, yeah, late, late 70s, early 80s. That That's when I would have been a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't have my parents would not have been worrying at time about my demands. <laughs> so, no, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I now I wasn't a teenager, you know, full on in the 60s. That would be uh, well. 
yeah, I guess my mom and dad were kind of, they, they had me kind of young. So maybe they would qualify as being teenagers in the 60s. Um, so, you know, I, I I can't ask them at this point because they're both gone. But I, I just wonder, it's like, um, did your did your mom and dad ever, you know, really kowtow to your demands and, and your life was just really easy because they they did what you said? Is that how it worked then? But it, it, it didn't work that way for me. I, I can remember that. Yeah, no, I was demanding nothing, uh, even up and until the day I left the, my mom and dad's house. I was demanding absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I remember, too. I probably would have got laughed at. But uh, yeah, <laughs> among other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is great. That is a, a hilarious scene, by the way. I'm really loving that one. <laughs> uh, like I said, the, the signs are great. I'm really loving the signs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, that's, that's what goes on there. And then we, uh, oh, and then it, we do uh, cut to the teenagers then, and, uh, they have, uh, their own little, uh, meeting going on here. And one of the guys says, gang, if we don't get our new teenage clubhouse, we'll, we'll go on strike. And one kid goes strike. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, strike I, from what? Exactly. That's like, what, what do you, yeah. Okay. You, you go ahead and go on strike. You show them. Yeah, and their 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 two signs say adults are square and nix the curfew. <laughs> yep. Now now yeah. something I didn't pick up the first time. Uh it kind of comes up a little bit later in the story, but it, it really jumps out at me this time. Uh the mayor's last name and the leader of the teenagers last name is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm assuming uh Eddie Corliss here is the the mayor's son son yeah yeah I, I didn't pick that up the the first time i read it earlier today it, it just didn't dawn on me it, it comes up later in the story and i'm like oh well that that kid you know just or whatever but i didn't realize necessarily that from the very beginning of the story he was the leader of the teen revolt so to speak and and his dad was the mayor so he was leading the um the the adult side of that uh, uh yeah that that's Adds a little bit more interest, I think, to the story. If I'd have caught that at the beginning, but I I missed that. I'm kind of a doofus at times. So, well, I can only imagine Bob Haney writing this stuff. This is just fantastic. And uh, this next scene might be one of my favorite of the entire book, where Batman there it shows Batman and Robin in the Batcave, and Batman is uh, sitting in a chair uh, reading a newspaper, and he's saying, "Hmm, those hat and corners teenagers are acting like spoiled brats." And Robin is a few feet away from him with his hands on his hips, and he retorts, Batman, you sound like an old square. The Hat and Corners adults just won't <laughs> listen to their kids. <laughs> yep. An old square. That is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> so so uh, you see, it's it's even putting some grief between Batman and Robin, what, what they're doing there at the Hat and Corners. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all the way to Gotham. <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then Batman's face. He's got this really pissed off face on in the next uh, next part there. I love that. The next panel. And uh, Robin says, that's why the Hatton Corners teen club invited me to come plead their case. With your permission, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so Robin's yep. such a rebel. He's got to ask Batman's permission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Batman says, well, I guess I can spare you for a while. Good luck and hurry back. But his face looks really pissed. Yeah, it does. Like, like I guess pissed that he would ask to do that, or so. Yeah, or or maybe he's not. Maybe it's just the art reflecting, you know, whatever the artist did. Maybe he's not pissed. I I don't know. But it either way, Robin doesn't seem deterred from from doing what he wants to do. 
No. Well, maybe that's his face for being called a square. I don't think I'd appreciate that either. <laughs> maybe it's uh, he would be. What would that be? R R B F, right? Resting Batman <laughs> face. Is, is that yeah. What yeah. Maybe I. I don't know. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then uh, we see uh, Kid Flash talking to Flash, and he goes, "Behave themselves, Flash. Like all adults, you forget that you were once a teenager too." So we're, you know, basically going to get a little uh, scene here with every one of the uh, future Teen Titans here kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say having it out with their adult counterparts, but, you know, kind of letting them know, hey, you know, you're, you're only looking at this through the eyes of an adult and, uh, you know, not, not a teenager. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of uh, uh, emphasizing that point that adult is there and teenager is here and they are all of our sidekicks are teenagers. So, you know, their point of view is distinctly on this side of, of that argument. Mm hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> It, it, I, I do love Flash when he says, what's with those teenagers, Kid Flash? Why can't they behave themselves? And it's like, <laughs> honestly, yeah. other than make a clubhouse, what did they actually do so far here yet? Not a whole lot. Well, no, they did threaten to go on strike. And, and maybe that is, is maybe the adults <laughs> are fearful of, of striking teenagers. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they, they need to bring in the union busters, I guess. You, that's <laughs> it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. But what does he say? No wonder the Hat and Corners Teen Club asked me to come help them. They know only another teenager really understands their problems. And Flash says, yes, but I'm afraid teenagers don't understand adults' problems either. However, it's okay for you to go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> kind of like that last dig before he says, okay, yeah, you can go. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. And then we get Aqualad here with Aquaman, and uh, it's funny. Our eel friends brought a note in a bottle, Aqualad. What's it say? So somehow that teen club got a message to an eel that swam down to Atlantis? I um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and I, it does show an eel with a bottle tied to it. Right, yeah, here at the, at the bottom of that panel, it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened, because right there it is. Yeah, fantastic. And I love how it showed each of these scenarios, you know, with the adults kind of being like, you know, oh, you crazy kids, and the, the teenagers being like, hey, man, like, you don't understand us. Like, you know, this right. is a, a big thing. <laughs> That, that's it exactly. You don't understand us. Uh, yeah. Uh, for uh, Sidekick after sidekick. That basically was the exact same thing that they, they came out with. Yeah. And I love Aquaman. He's even a little more cranky than Batman. He looks at Aqualad and says, hmm, young people shouldn't dispute with their elders. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yep. There you he's go. He's laying down the law. Yeah, he's laying down the law. And then Aqualad says, don't worry, Aquaman. I can take care of myself, even if I am just a teenager. <laughs> He's like sassing Aquaman. Just, yeah. just a lot of snark so far, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's great. I, I could, like I said, Haney, I can imagine him sitting here writing this and he's laughing at himself. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Mm, well, then, uh, you know, they show up here in uh, Hatton Corners and the crazy teen club is like smashed to bits. That was a pretty good scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. They. I, I like how they um, basically they introduce each of the uh, the the sidekicks again. Robin was the first one, and then Kid Flash, and then Aqualad. So it it gives you a, a it a, almost like a, a reintroduction, even though it really doesn't say a whole lot about them. But you know, we've seen all three separately, and then we see all three arrive. So it it seems like a kind of a a, a nice flowing kind of uh, time continuity of of their appearances. Yeah, and it's interesting because when Robin and Aqualad and Kid Flash confront uh, the mayor and all the other adults, 
they don't really at this point have any clue what happened to the teenagers. They know they're gone and that they've gone on strike and saying about it's outrageous and here's a note they left us. But I'm thinking to myself, so again, if you're a parent in this town and your kid was like, I'm going on strike, we're going to go build a clubhouse. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. Well, they go and do that and then they disappear and you're just still pissed off. They said they're going to go on strike. You're not worried about where they are? Uh, yeah. For me, right now, as a as a parent, my first thought would be, well, where where are you? You're on strike. Okay, I, I get that. And and you're not here or wherever you're supposed to be. So where where did you go? Because I, I haven't seen you. And and that would automatically make me kind of um, curious, you know, kind of leaning into worried, depending on how long that had been going on. Not just a, you know, oh, those dumb kids, they'll be back or anything like that, because I'm like, <laughs> well, there, there's nowhere for them to be back from. Where did they go? Yeah, they don't seem to be worried about that, but they do hand Robin this note. And this note totally reminded me of some of the Stan Lee dialogue from the 60s as well in like X-Men when, you know, they're these teenagers and he was trying to make them sound hip and cool. This right. note is, is hilarious. It reads, <clears throat> all of all us cats decided to skip until adults to the music get hip, build a new clubhouse. Hat and Corners teens. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My okay. <laughs> and uh, the, again, the adults are like, yeah, they, they wrecked this clubhouse for spite. Like these kids, what a bunch of jerks. But I love how uh, Robin and his buddies here think to themselves like, hey, something's not right with this note. Yep. They, they automatically, of course, know how teens, uh, the teens speak. And, and Robin's like, uh, we don't speak like this. Yeah, I love how he says, fellas, that note's a phony. No teenager would use the word music in a hip language message. They'd use jive, and that barn was wrecked by some terrific wind. Yeah. <laughs> what? They'd use jive? Jive, right, yeah. There, there, there is no <laughs> word music. Teenagers um, in, what did you say this was, 1966? 1964. <laughs> 64, when this, yeah. yeah. So, so there's no music, it's just jive. I'm, I'm just listening to this jive on the radio. Yeah, I've actually never heard anyone from this era refer to music as jive. Never. Neither have I. Movies, TV, <laughs> I've, I've not, no. Yeah, so this is fantastic. So then Robin says, trouble is, these adults don't trust any teenagers now, including us. And I'm like, I don't think, uh, they didn't say they didn't trust you. Why wouldn't they? You didn't wreck anything or say you're going on strike. No, and, and I would think they, they recognize them as the sidekicks for superheroes, so because they're sidekicks, they don't trust. Yeah, I, I didn't get that from them at all. No, yeah, I think Robin's uh, going out on a limb on that one. But yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what they're going to do is they're going to go find the teens. So first off, it shows Kid Flash. He's zooming all around the countryside, goes in and out of uh, like some kind of crazy. It looks like some kind of shack that's like yeah, yeah out in the middle like, of nowhere. Yeah, a, a sharecropper's shack or, or something like that. Yeah. And then. This panel with Aqualad, oh, this is great. <clears throat> the caption, while Aqualad returns to his own element and scouts the nearby seacoast. So did he think the kids drown? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they took a boat. Maybe they're chilling on a boat that's anchored offshore there, the, the party boat uh, in 1964. I, I don't know. Yeah, his dialogue. I've checked with every fish in these waters. Not a clue to those missing kids. 
<laughs> well, now now that is good to to find out that the the teens in the town aren't sleeping with the fishes because you know that that would be bad. So oh my gosh, this and, and every fish. So if there's like a hundred thousand fish in there, he talked to everyone. Right, Aqualad oh. talked to them all. Although it in that 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 was something that kind of went around with this. Um, most recent incarnation of Aquaman is is that oh. scene where he was sitting in a restaurant, and somebody was was asking him, I think, like, "Aren't you the guy that talks to fishes?" And he he pointedly said, "I don't talk to fish. I I you know I understand what they're feeling and and kind of emote them to help me, but I don't I don't talk to them. There's not like this language, and we <laughs> exchange words and everything, you know. So so now." What was that? Is that the new 52? Is that the most recent or DC now? Whatever the most recent incarnation is. Um, of Aquaman. Yeah, that, that's what they do. But back in 1964, they, they were still talking, actively talking to fishes. Yeah, that was still basically all he did. <laughs> yeah. But I love uh, when there's a transition like this. Meantime, and you see a bunch of people running in panic because there's like a cyclone coming through the town. That's pretty neat. I love it. And the people are all like just in like this orange color because obviously the focus doesn't really need to be on them. It's more to be on the, the cyclone here coming. But yeah, back in Hatton Corners and uh, the mayor who thinks he's like a cowboy here, I think, by the way, not a mayor. I don't know too many I, mayors that wear cowboy hats. Uh, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, that was. And 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 you're right. I, I do like the, that the coloring was on the foreground, which is the mayor and Robin and essentially the background, which is just this image of a big tornado. Coming almost almost looks like it's coming down like Main Street in the town. I, I, I could I could almost envision that being the Main Street. Yeah, and he basically the mayor's crap in his pants because they have no storm cellars. So Robin's like, everyone go to the bank, get to the bank. And <laughs> I love this panel where Robin is locking them all in this huge bank vault. And they're like, we're all inside, but there's no more room. And Robin says, I'll take my chances out here. Something. And yeah, what does that say about the adults in that town? <laughs> well, and and the very first thing I thought when I saw that is, how is Robin going to open that vault? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like you know the, when, the, when he closes it, it's like what did did they like give him the you know combination the combination or whatever he needs to do? Otherwise, he's just going to lock them in there, and they're all just going to stay in there until you know I don't know somebody can bust them out or burn the door through or something. I, I thought, yeah, how's he getting them out? doomsday that's when they're getting out of there <laughs> yeah yes yes but this crazy whirlwind comes whipping through and he's trying to hold on to the bank vault the the, the whatever you call that kind of latch or whatever it is the one you kind of spin yeah the I'm big wheel sure. thing yeah yeah he's like i gotta hang on or i'll be blown to kingdom come and here is where we get our first look at uh the villain mr twister um yeah i don't know what to think of this guy he he does he looks like uh, i don't know yeah, like like you said, uh, from from the cover image, he's he's wearing a cape of, or a cape or a cloak, whichever you want to call. It, of, you can't necessarily tell here, but we we find out feathers. Okay, mm -hmm. he he's dressed in a very colonial, almost m militia, m Minuteman militia kind of uh, uh, clothing outfit, including his hat, and and he's holding some kind of Native American like religion based yeah. staff of some sort so it's like well you're like mixing up like three or four or more different uh groups of people here in what you're wearing 
Yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it, it's okay. He's crazy, so I, I can overlook it. Yeah, he's a bad guy, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this guy is is interesting, but he he basically comes out and you know Robin gets like whipped around, and then we get you know uh, our buddy Kid Flash here who uh, shifts into high gear as he says and catches Robin before he hits. So it's kind of a tie back to that. You know, initial splash page there that showed uh, mm-hmm. the wind whipping them around. But uh, they uh, get a look at this guy, and he's standing above the safe. And I love Robin's dialogue. He says, there's the weird character who's behind all this, and he's without that twister now. And <laughs> Kid Flash says, don't worry, I'll handle him. Right. And he goes, automatically, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, he goes flying up at him and says, I'll blow him into the next county. But this guy has this crazy staff, and he just points it at him, and it it's like reddish kind of thunderbolts, like blast uh, Aqualad here. And, you know, kid, he's going to go. Kid Flash, not Aqualad. Or, or I'm sorry, yeah, Kid Flash. Yeah, yeah. Kid Flash, yeah. One of my, and here comes one of my favorite, you know, Haney things. His exclamations are usually either blazes or my one of my favorites, probably my favorite, great guns. Great guns, yeah. <laughs> great guns. That character KO'd Kid Flash, is Robin saying this. And Kid Flash hits the ground. And he's like, oh, I'm okay. My body vibrating internally at super speed saved me from that bolt's full effect. Yeah, I don't know okay. if I've ever heard of that before. I've, okay, yeah. Uh, again, mm. it's like, well, well, we'll just go with that because, yep, you're a superhero. So, okay. Yeah, I, I feel that's like another Haneyism there. I don't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love how Robin comes running towards him and the mayor peeks out of the vault. So did they not shut the door all the way? I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, because the mayor says, is it all right to come out? What's going on here? And I'm thinking, what if it wasn't all right to come out, dude? You'd be in big trouble. It's a little late now, yeah. Yeah, and he goes, good grief. Up there, it's Brom Stick. S-T-I-K-K. Yeah. So, sounds we, awful close to Broomstick, but yeah, it's just one O, Brom. Yeah, very, very weird. And we get a close-up of this guy's face, and this guy is ugly as sin. Yep. He's got some five o'clock shadow and blue hair and crazy, insane, like Mr. Spock eyebrows. He's missing a few teeth. And he says, yes, Mayor Corliss, I have returned as Mr. Twister. And with the great powers I now possess, I'll take my revenge on Hatton Corners. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yep. He's, okay. he's okay, definitely pal. a rough looking dude for sure. Yeah, he's seen some stuff. So uh, he says, I warn you, unless you meet my demands, your teenagers will never walk these streets again, for I have them all where you cannot find them. And Robin says, uh, Kid Flash, you have them just as I figured. They didn't leave on their own. And he's, he's got his hand on Kid Flash. They're like, see, the teenagers really aren't that bad. And okay, mm-hmm. that's that's basically what comes out of it. They really weren't, you know, out of control or anything. But, you know, I guess crazy teenagers in the 60s was a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then he raises his staff up and makes a whirlwind this uh, Brom stick and says, I Robin. So he's like talking like a pirate. So he's a pirate. He's uh, he's Paul Revere. He's a native American and whatever else the rest of his garb means. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever uh, the, the cloak of feathers uh, signifies. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a pastiche of like, you know, five different things. But he says, if you and your teenage hero friends try to thwart me, you'll feel my powers again. You're no match for Mr. Twister. He has to say his name again. I love it when villains like saying their own name. It's fantastic. And and it's bold too, uh, different yeah, yeah. different typeset than the rest of the word balloon, except for Robin. So I guess Robin, 
uh, is a name and Mr. Twister is a name. Although in the next panel, there's a bolded word and it's not somebody's name. So I, I, I'm not sure I understand the convention necessarily other than just bolding, you know, a word that you want to bold. Yeah, I didn't know if that meant he's yelling that specific word, but I, it doesn't make any sense when it's farewell. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, he takes off and uh, continues. Chapter two continues on the following page. And yeah, he takes off. And <laughs> of course, the, the team here wants to find out, you know, hey, like what's going on? You know, like where does he have these guys at? But, you know, are they ever going to be able to find him? Because, you know, this guy can do things they you know, can't do, you know, they're, they're, they're superheroes, but they're sidekicks, they're teenagers and they're very limited in what they can do. And this guy right. isn't very limited, but I love this next page where it shows the townspeople and they are, they've gone from uh, thinking the teenagers are a menace to actually missing the teenagers being around. How about that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just in, in whatever, like the next day, maybe, I mean, cause you, you can't imagine that it's been too, too long since, uh, Brahms stick appeared. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all, and you have what multiple three, three different, uh, images here of one of the townspeople missing the kids, uh, and kind of each one, uh, for a, for a different reason or missing them in a different way. <laughs> yeah. The guy that owns the, uh, uh, probably like a like a, a five and ten or something like that with like right. a soda fountain. He says they played the juke too loud. They messed up the place, but I miss those kids. And then right. a cop is thinking to himself, they led me some merry chases, but they were all good kids. It's just a ghost town now. And I thought they led me some merry chases. Did they forget on? Uh, le- yeah, apparently led me some. Ma- yeah, <laughs> the letterers fired. I guess. <laughs> Well, he he had to cut back. He only had so much time, so he had to trim trim certain words out. <laughs> I love how the cops just standing in the middle of the street too. By the way, he's no, yeah, well, with with the, with that that thinking uh, uh, pose with with one one elbow on his hand and the other hand under his chin. Yeah, and then some uh, schmoo here. I don't know who he is. He says, "I'd build ten new clubhouses to have them back." And I thought, well, maybe I should have treated them better when they were around, pal. There you go. Yeah, it's it's kind of late for that, but <laughs> so uh, you know, our three heroes here are trying to, you know, formulate a plan to find Mister Twister, and oh boy! So again, I love crazy uh, villains, and this uh, the the mayor here is going to tell them the craziest uh, uh, villain uh, origin story of all here about Brom Stick, alias Mister Twister, isn't it? Yeah. it this, this is nuts. Yeah, yeah, this is. Um... Yeah, this has to, well, this has to rank as one of the weirdest ones that I've heard in a very long time. It's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the first panel, uh, the caption box, which I I assume is the mayor talking to uh, the the, the future Teen Titans. He says, you see, when old Jacob Stick gave the land to build Hatton Corners in colonial days, he asked for a very peculiar rent. And by the way, Jacob Stick doesn't look like he's from colonial times. He looks like he's one of the three musketeers from France. Yeah, yeah. And he says to the uh, uh, the the three men that are standing here that look like, you know, they look like they came over on the Mayflower. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, they look kind of pilgrimy with their hats and, and the clothing that they have on, yeah. Yeah, he says to them, from now until the end of time, the town will pay me and my descendants one passenger pigeon feather yearly or forfeit one of your stalwart youths to labor in my service for that year. Agreed? And 
why what 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 good is a passenger pigeon I, feather doing you? I, I have I have no idea. And he doesn't even have any feathers on well, maybe on his crazy three musketeers hat he might have some feathers, but otherwise he doesn't have feathers anywhere on him. No, no. And then the next panel's awesome. It shows these people, these three uh pilgrims laughing and saying, Ha ha, old Jacob has a sense of humor. Passenger pigeons swarm by the millions. No chance we will ever lack such a rental. Agreed. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I do know that once upon a time uh, here in the U.S. That, that there were flocks of passenger pigeons that were so thick that they would block out the sun. They would darken the sky. There, there were so many. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was for the feathers or if it was for the meat or whatever, but when the Europeans came over here, they all all but killed all of the passenger pigeons. They just extinct. The, the, the passenger pigeon is not those big things that you see in c- cities nowadays. Yeah, wow, that's, that's wild. That's a different kind of pigeon. Um, <laughs> it's, it's called it's called a rock dove is is what it is. People call them pigeons. But yeah, that, so the the uh, and then you've got carrier pigeons which i think are also a, a kind of dove but yeah once upon a time um they they were like like the dude said they were over here by the millions and um uh, so i i know that's true i, I forget exactly and th- th- i'm i'm not overly weird i mean i am kind of weird but the reason i know this is because uh in college i was a biologist and this was kind of one of the things that came up about uh, our effect on the on the natural world, you know, since man has been around, what kind of major changes have have happened? Um, a lot like uh, talking about the dodo that used to exist and stuff like that. Mm. The, the, this kind of of bird here in the U.S. used to number in the millions, and when the Europeans came over, they just absolutely. I think it was because of their feathers. I think they would actually kill them and shipped all the feathers back over to Europe because I don't I don't think that. Europe had these birds or they had already killed theirs off or something like that. So, mm. so, you know, he, he, he does have a point, I guess, at, at that time when the, um, you know, the first settlers, the pilgrims, what, whatever you want to call them. I, I don't know what the appropriate word is nowadays, but um, they did have all of these birds. And, and then over a very, very short period of time, uh, we, we killed them all to where they're like now the only times you see them are ones I, I don't even think that really you can find them like in zoos or anything. I think they just killed them all out before they could really do anything to try to preserve any of them. You just got uh, stuffed examples and, and stuff like that. I think now. No, well, maybe Haney was onto something here. That's wild. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's yeah, kind of wild that that's what he picked to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. His mind worked in different ways. That's what I always <laughs> tell myself. <laughs> and then uh, we have another caption box here. Then the mayor is saying, when Jacob's stick died, that strange rent died with him. And I don't know why they would think it would die with him, because he said him, uh, this was a, a rental agreement between him and all of his descendants. But OK, mm-hmm. I guess they didn't read the fine print. And he goes, and was all but forgotten until one day recently. And I'm assuming this is like the mayor or somebody. It looks like a, a, in an office and there's a cop there. And he says, you say you're Brom stick, the last descendant of old Jacob. And there's our buddy, Brom Stick. And he says, I, and his heir, I demand the back rent you've not paid these many years. Passenger pigeon feathers for my cloak. Otherwise, your youths are forfeit to me. And he looks like Big Bird. Mm-hmm. He's got this yellow coat of feathers, right? 
And and you can see that for a long time, if this is actually the cloak, the the rent was paid because he's got all these feathers. Yeah, and unless that was just rando birds that he killed and made his own coat. I, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm not sure. But he goes, and then he goes on to say, in 1964, this character seemed a joke. And this mayor guy says, trying to blackmail us, eh? Officer Ridley, kick him back into the Halloween ball. He must have escaped from, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and Brom says, you'll pay for this. And he looks like the type of guy that might make you pay for pissing him off because he's pretty rough looking. Yeah, yeah, he he seems, you know, that it's it's funny that the the mayor, I guess that's who this is, and I, I would presume perhaps the chief of police also, um, mm-hmm. they think it's all a joke, but of course Brom Stick doesn't. He is quite the opposite, and and so it's it's funny to see those those two sides uh, represented in both of these panels, and then like you said, yeah, Brom kind of gets the last word. You'll pay for this, and then that's. You know, the, the, the scene changes from then whenever that occurred to now with the mayor talking to the uh, the Teen Titans. And so I guess, you know, you're left thinking, mm, well, I, I guess he he did get you back for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the mayor's kind of like, yeah, he did. He got us back. And now the teenagers are missing and he's all worried. And uh, Robin does say here that uh, passenger pigeons have been extinct since 1913. So that's an interesting fact. I wonder if okay. that's uh, really if that's fact again. Good on Haney, man. It might be a crazy story, but it seems like he did his homework here. It did a little bit anyways, yeah. Yeah, and he goes, there's no chance of meeting that crazy rent, but don't worry, Mr. Mayor. Kid Flash, Aqualad, and I will rescue your teenagers, and we'll beat this Mr. Twister at his own game. And I thought, how are you going to beat him at his own game? You might beat him like with you know some kind of method, but you're going to get a staff of your own and create Twisters and beat him at his own game? Right, or, or you're going you're gonna to gather up a bunch of people and steal them away somewhere? <laughs> yeah like what right yeah that brom stick thinks is important so you're gonna like his whole family or something but we already know he's the last of his family so yeah it's like not not sure you want to do it at his own game but yeah you you definitely want to beat him for sure yeah and i'm a little hazy on this next part here uh the the trio goes to at a local airport and they're looking at some uh radar records showing unidentified flying objects and the guy's working at the you know, air quotes, local airport look military to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with that little insignia on the shoulder for the one guy here. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. So they uh, see that uh, there was some, uh, there was a, a UFO that headed towards uh, uh, a place called goat Island. And when you look for that, like I, I went out to my maps app and looked for a goat Island. And I think there might be one somewhere in the New York city, long Island type area. And there oh, was cool. one down okay. in the, the Virginia area, you know, like uh, northern Virginia. And then there was also one that's right on the border of Canada and Niagara Falls, too, but on the American side. All, all of which may have been close enough for, for Haney to, like, know about. Yeah, because, again, I don't, we don't know where Hatton Corners is, uh, so who, this could be anywhere. <laughs> yep. Although I, I do have to say, with with everything else that we've seen of the town, I, I kind of envision that town as like being somewhere in like the Midwest somewhere. Yeah, well, I was thinking, is it like Texas or Oklahoma with the mayor wearing a cowboy hat? Okay, that yeah, I, I don't know, but but yet there's a coast now with a goat island off the coast. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I guess you don't read Haney books for like geography stuff. No, no, that or continuity. <laughs> but uh, and again, another another good caption box. So 
a little later, and we see the three of them riding on a giant manta ray. I didn't realize manta rays got that big, that three people could fit on its back, and it's, uh, I don't know if you call it, it's wingspan or fin span or whatever you want to call it. Looks like it's probably about 40 feet across. Yeah, probably like the, the three of them standing side by side take up like a third of the creature right in the middle. And then there's <laughs> as much wing on one side and as much wing on the other side. But at least Bruno Premiani drew it like it's having a good time. It's got like its happy face on. Right. He does not seem upset that there are some creatures riding his back. He He's cool with this. Yeah. He probably had nothing better to do, but uh, they uh, ride him out to uh, Goat Island. And <laughs> I love how... Uh, the, the two of them are kind of having a, having it out. Uh, Kid Flash, they kind of have Kid Flash and Aqualad kind of at each other a bit. And uh, it's funny because Robin's kind of like the, the father of the group. Stop bickering, mm-hmm. you two. That's Goat Island ahead. And okay, okay, for a guy without superpowers, you sure give a lot of orders, Kid Flash. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like the adult that they're kind of trying to buck in, in the way that they're acting. And, and Robin fills that role here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of you know he's 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 had his upbringing with Batman, so he needs to be a little more stern. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I guess you couldn't help but be if you grew up with Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, they show up on this crazy island, and I love Aqualad, leaping lionfish. Robin, Kid Flash, look, <laughs> leaping what about that face, lionfish. Man. That face is killer. <laughs> Yeah, he almost looks like he should be getting an oral exam or something. Something, yeah, he is. I mean, you know, it, they they went to the island, right, expecting to find the kids uh, because of what Robin was telling them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this Aqualad is looking like it's like the, the most amazing thing like he's ever seen or something. It just that that face is just killer. He looks like he is at the ending of the movie seven and he found out what's in the box. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he looks like his eyes uh, or, or else that, or he is on some it, crazy like methamphetamine or something. His eyes and mouth are like, Whoa, maybe like some, uh, some undersea mushroom or something, man. You know, you, you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what Aquaman is feeding him these days. He's tripping out and he sees how this insane Mr. Twister is using these teenagers as slave labor to build a a giant like whirlwind that, you know, is kind of going to be like in uh, in, in uh, what am I trying to say? Like, you know, in, in honor of him. Right. Yeah. Like like it's um, like a, 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 a statue or, or like a carving or something like that that you would do. But they're doing it with like placed bricks like the like the pyramids or something like that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It almost looks like what you'd see in like a, you know, hundreds of years ago on like a penal colony. You have a bunch right. of guys uh, with pickaxes smashing into the side of a mountain, making these rocks. And then like a, with like a pulley system or whatever that's called, you have a bunch of other ones, you know, pulling these huge stones on these logs uh, to get them closer. And then you have the girls. They are painting numbers on the rocks. I'm not sure why. I, no, that's what I see. I, I see that they're painting numbers. Yeah. And and the, the other girl here is, I don't know, marking off because maybe maybe they need a certain number of rocks. And so the one girl is tallying them and the other girl is writing them on, checking them off on the sheet or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, it's fantastic. And some of the dudes are shirtless and some of them have like ja- jackets on top right. of, you know, jeans and a shirt. So what's going on here? What's the temperature here? 
I, they're, I guess they, they're just too busy doing what they're supposed to do to worry about those, those trivial things. Yeah, because you figure like a couple of these dudes are like, there's even one that's like in like a t-shirt. So you have a guy with no shirt, a couple of guys with no shirt, a guy in a t-shirt, another guy that looks like he's in a dress shirt, buttoned down with a collar, and a couple of dudes that have like jackets on. So I'm like, mm-hmm. the dudes with the jackets on are either sweating their nuts off, or those other guys are like cold, or they have really high blood pressure or something, man. Maybe what it is, is is the more clothing that they have on, maybe those are the newer and and the long term dudes are the ones without the shirts. <laughs> it could be. Maybe you have to work hard to be able to not have a shirt on and sweat. Right, I don't know. right. You know that you're gonna you're gonna take that off eventually because yeah, the the dude here uh, with the bandana on his neck too. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And then we get the three uh, heroes again spying, and uh, Robin says the missing teenagers are all here. All right, working for Mister Twister as forfeit for that unpaid rent. And Kid Flash says, uh-oh, looks like that one boy's up to something. And now, what about this? This is insane. Not only is this boy up to something, this boy, Eddie is his name, is in what looks to be a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's, what, he's one of the full-dressed dudes. Yeah, in a tuxedo, and there's a woman there, or a teenage girl, and she's saying, no, Eddie, don't try it. And he's trying to throw a rope around Mr. Twister because he has his back turned, but then... I thought this was an island of teenagers because there's a guy there with white hair. But yeah, there's a couple kids right right here in between them there in the in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking white hair already as a teenager. God bless, man. Now Eddie was uh, that he's he's the leader, dude. That's that's Corliss's son, the oh, mayor's yeah, he, son. So Mayor Corliss's son. Yeah, Eddie Eddie Corliss. So so at least he's trying to lead, right? He he's trying to do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. And it, this doesn't trick uh, Mr. Twister. He uh, he hears the girl's outcry. So he turns around and uses his staff to direct the uh, rope back at him. And he says, a rope trick, my teenage friend. I'm fond of them, but I'm afraid the trick is on you. <laughs> so then that's the end of poor Eddie here. He gets roped up and he's standing there roped up. And his girlfriend puts her arms around him like she's going to start making out with him. And she says, oh, Eddie, if only we were all safe back in Hatton Corners. I miss dad. And mom, so, and he goes, yeah, Marsha, I guess our town and its adults are the greatest after all. <laughs> so, well, they're softening. You know, we've already seen the adults uh, softening up earlier. So I, I guess now it's time for the, uh, for the teenagers to soften up. And, and you know, at the end, everybody's going to have this, you know, uh, of course, the, the, the kumbaya moment to where it's <laughs> not as bad as we thought. Or so, you know, that's, that's the way that it's building here, it looks like. Yeah, the kids just need a little hard labor to realize they've got it pretty good. Absolutely. Don't don't <laughs> we all? That, yeah, that, that definitely freshens up the perspective, for sure. Yep. And then Mr. Twister's like, hey, I'm leaving for a little while, but when I come back, the tower better be finished. And Eddie's like, what? Finished? He's like, that's impossible. And I don't know if I would have, like, smarted off to him, but he did. So uh, the guy walks off, and he's heading somewhere, and Aqualad says, he's right. Those poor kids can never complete that rock pile. We've got to help them. I'm thinking, you're going to help them do what this bad guy said? Well, just jump them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right there, they they probably had to jump on him right there in that panel. But instead of you know using the Twister just to fly himself back, uh, he jumps on a boat. And I was thinking, why is he doing this? But he does explain it. He says, my staff's powers need replenishing. Not enough left to carry me aloft, but still adequate to drive this craft. Why he doesn't call it a boat, I don't know. It's a nice-looking sailboat, but I didn't even realize until right now, when I'm looking at it on my laptop here in, like, the panel mode, 
there's Robin hanging onto like the rudder. Yeah, yeah, at the very bottom of the panel. Yeah, and he he's he's saying, "Hope he doesn't make a check for stowaways." And it's like, well, Robin, I, I don't think he would check outside on the rudder, but okay. Yeah, maybe check like below deck if they. Yeah, inside the boat, but yeah, I, I, I think you're good, dog. <laughs> but then Kid Flash and Aqualad, you know, reveal themselves as the teenagers, and they start uh, flipping out. We're saved, and this is going to be great. And Kid Flash is like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll build this, uh, you know, uh, this tower in record time." And again, I'm questioning, dude, why are you doing that? Like, and again, and again, we're going to see in like two minutes here. It didn't matter. Right. Yeah. But wow, look at him go, go, go. <laughs> so he builds it for this clown and everybody's like, wow, that's great. And this is fantastic. Uh, this is on page uh, 14 here, I think, where he's finishing building the tower. And one of the teenagers remarks, the tower, it's tickling the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? It's tickling the sky? That's uh, so weird, man. <laughs> I I don't think I would have put it in those words. Yeah. It sounds kind of creepy. <laughs> 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 but uh, here we go. Uh, we get uh, here. We find out uh, where this guy got his powers from. Mr. Twister. Uh, he found a he calls it a long lost uh, Indian medicine cave for shelter. Like when he got uh, uh, kind of kicked out of town when they laughed at him when he, I guess, came to, uh, you know, get the debt. And he goes, uh, you know, this is going to, you know, help him uh, rejuvenate the power of his staff so he can go back and kick some more butt if necessary. And I like how Robin's peeking around uh, the corner there and says, so that's the source of his evil mastery. Mm-hmm. And and just so that you know that this is a long lost <laughs> Indian medicine cave, you you've got some some drawings on the one cave wall. And then over <laughs> here, uh, you've got some feathers and maybe some pottery and some uh, some. Uh, tapestry or weavings that are are Native American or or as they say Indian over here on this side. That way you you see that yes, this is indeed an Indian medicine cave. <laughs> yeah, there's like an eagle on the one wall. It's like okay, mm-hmm. we 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 get it, we get it. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then Mister Twister sees Robin's shadow because I guess the light's burning pretty bright from uh, the fire that has this uh, uh, stew boiling that makes the staff uh, have its power. And Robin says. I'm spotted. And okay, Robin, this is why you're only a sidekick. He, uh, the boy wonder reacts with swiftness sharpened by a thousand adventures, reaches into his utility belt for sneezing dust. Mm, yeah, he, de- he doesn't have anything. I, I guess Batman doesn't give him the hard stuff. So all, He's all he can carry is sneezing dust. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, not old enough to have a batarang yet. No, no, he hasn't graduated that far yet. No. So he chucks it in this guy's face, and he's, uh, Mr. Twister says, you little meddler, I'll chew." And, of course, it makes him sneeze, but he's, I guess, got enough juice uh, in the staff already from the little time he's had it in there to uh, take Robin out here, which is fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry, after Robin uh, gives him an uppercut, but he doesn't realize that the guy's staff can redirect any kind of blows that are meant for him right back at the person. So Robin basically knocks himself out. Right, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So back to town. Uh, here we go with another uh, uh, a twister heading into town. And it dropped off Robin with a little note on his uh, uh, belly there. It was pinned to him. And it says, unless the rent is met by tomorrow's date, earth, water, and fire will be your fate, Mr. Twister. <laughs> a lot of notes in these comics. And and there's a lot of rhyming in the notes mm-hmm. in this comic. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I was having like roadblock from G.I. Joe moments here. <laughs> <laughs> Who I loved, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, Robin says, uh, while he holds your teenagers hostage, it's risky to defy him, let alone face his powers. But back on Goat Island, uh, we have Aqualad who needs to uh, jump into the water because he's only allowed to be out of the water for an hour. And he uh, remarks, kid flashes a big hero with those teenagers. Hmm. He couldn't keep up with me underwater, which reminds me, it's time uh, I submerge for a while. And he does submerge and he realizes while he's under there that this goat island is like barely hanging on by a thread. So underneath the island, there's just like a, a very skinny little piece of uh, earth holding it in place, right? Right. Yeah. Like like the, the whole island uh, is is uh, balanced on like this little um, <laughs> column uh, that attaches it to the seafloor. Which, what, where does, how did this idea come up? When you're writing this story, how, how do you go from weird dude that, that is, a, is a gestalt of like six different cultures and building a tower by the teens on an island? Now, I could see if the island was floating on the back of a turtle. That's, you know, a, a myth of, of ancient somebody peoples. I, I forget who that is. Um, but no, it's on this little pedestal thing anchored to the. What do you do to come up with all of these ideas for the same story? I don't know, but the idea for Aqualad to get the island out of there is even better. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he summons a bunch of whales and they just swim underneath Goat Island. <laughs> And basically lift it off of that pedestal or break it off of it, what, however you want to say. And they take it to another location. And I'm thinking, okay, how far away did they go? Because that guy can just use his staff to make a twister. And he can you know, fly around pretty quick and get from point A to point B. So you'd have to take that pretty far away, right? Oh, yeah. But, but I mean, they do tell us um we're moving it to where mr twister can't find it and yeah like you said how how can he not find it because he can fly so yeah i, I don't know where that would be yeah where where's this undisclosed location that he can't get to with powers like he's got i don't understand <laughs> but the teenagers are all psyched up over aqualad who's riding a whale and hooray hooray for aqualad and the, I, I just fantastic um I just tweeted this out not too long ago. We have two girls sitting on the beach and they're watching him ride a whale, which it looks kind of creepy. And the one girl says, sigh, he's so cute. And the other girl says, yes, I could go for him. <laughs> what? There you go. So that, that's all you have to do to be to be hip with girls in the, in the early 60s is ride a whale and you're set and you're golden. No problem, right? I mean. Hey, we, we all have that ability. We could do it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, that's why there weren't very many guys that had girls chasing after them, apparently, because not many guys <laughs> can ride whales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. And it's like, but what happens when you're in the middle of a date and an hour goes by and you have to let them go for a swim? I Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Aqualad problems is, is what that is for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I have to cut our date short. I have to go for a swim. Yeah, that'll go over really well with a girl. Let me tell you, pal. Yep. <laughs> so yeah so this is uh, where we're at now and uh wait kid wait here kids i'll tell your parents you're safe and that's a uh, kid flash saying that so he's gonna go and he's gonna tell uh all the parents that everything's cool and again how's he gonna get from this, this undisclosed location you know where 
Like, the bad guy can't get, but he can. You know what I mean? Like, what is it out in the water somewhere? It can, I guess he could run on water, right? He's that fast. He could, but it, it says at the, at the top of that panel, afterward, as the island docks along the deserted coastline. So this place that, that he can't find, is it, they, they, they took the island to shore. They beached it like they would a boat. Yeah, which is hilarious. I just, so, I don't, yeah, I'm not I, sure. How does this I, work? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, well, I, I thought you were going to take it somewhere he, where he can't find it. You didn't say you were just going to take him back, you know, to the to the mainland and, and offload everybody. I, I thought they were going to go hide the island somewhere. Yeah, maybe it would have been better to be like, I'll, we're going to take you where he won't think of, you know, maybe I, not. He maybe. Can't I, get. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, kind, kind of a looseness in the story there. Not not sure what happened, but the, the, they broke the island loose. They got the island back to the mainland and, and kind of beached it. And so now uh, Kid Flash is going to run and tell the parents that they found the kids. And uh, they're they're down here uh, on the beach because we, we brought the island, which makes you wonder after the story, what, what did they do with that island that I'm sure was a problem, right? Because it, mm-hmm. it ate up a big part of their beach and now it's just there. And yeah, that, that yep. wasn't addressed in the story at all. But yeah. No. And all the adults are talking and the mayor says, what can we do? We can't fight Mr. Twister as long as he has our children. And Kid Flash runs up and says, correction, Mr. Mayor, your teenagers are safe where he can't find them. So, again, he says the same thing. And again, it makes no sense. I don't. Yeah, I don't get that. They're not they're not hiding. Yeah. Okay. I love the mayor's response, though. I've I don't think I've ever heard, read or seen this response ever before in my life. You know, I have great guns, blazes. Okay, I, I love those. He looks at Kid Flash and says, by Ginger. By Ginger. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know it's it's a woman's name, and I know you cook with it, but I don't know that, didn't know it was an expletive to be used. Yeah, so our, our children are safe, and everybody's all smiles, but then some dude points up in the sky and says, hey, that yellow cloud, and there is this ominous-looking cloud coming towards them, and, you know, I've never seen this before, and uh, uh, our buddy uh, Brom Stick says, Hatton Corners for defying me. This is your end. And it says uh, it's a cloud of dust coming down on them. So this cloud of dust starts like it almost looks like sand, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. starts to envelop the whole town. And literally within seconds, it's up to Robin's like th- halfway up his thigh. Right. Yeah. And Kid Flash says, you know, uh, not while I've got my speed, it's not going to you know, bury the town. And he starts flying around town like a maniac. And. It's enough that he gets it out of town. He takes every last bit of it out of town. So it's like, okay, cool. They've already defeated that guy now. And I love where he puts it. It says, and beyond the town limits. And Kid Flash says, the town wanted this swampy area filled in. So I'll just put it on the brakes and it's filled. Again, how did he know they wanted this filled? Because there's a Phil Wanted sign that he walked past there or what? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, yeah, you know, they, they stuck a sign right there so that you would know that said Phil, Phil Wanted. So yeah, he, he knew it needed to go there. On his way into town with Aqualad and, uh, you know, Robin, he saw that sign. And he goes, hmm, yeah, he, he made it. A, yeah, he made it a point to remember if, if I have to do anything <laughs> and, and haul any dirt uh, over here is a good place that the town wants it. I'm going to you know do some public service here for the town. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. And then again, here comes another cloud. And this one's green this time. I kept thinking to myself, what is this cloud going to be? Well, it's rain. Every drop a bucket full. So these gigantic raindrops. And they're really creepy looking because they are green and they somehow have a little bit of yellow in them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd coloring for rain. 
Yeah, it's very, very bizarre. So it's hitting and it's flooding the town. But when it hits and it starts to flood, it turns blue for some reason. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they're climbing on a roof trying to, you know, not get drowned. And uh, the Mr. Twister shows up and says, ha ha, they're fleeing in panic. This is one threat those teenage heroes can't handle. Ha ha ha. And okay, dude, it's water. One of them heroes is Aqualad. So here he comes on his giant manta. Suffering sharks. The town's flooded. I've got to do something fast. Suffering sharks. I love it. Yep. Yeah, at least it, at least it's you know it fits in with Aqualad. But uh, look, Aqualad is riding into town on a narwhal. What's he trying to do? And I don't know who I was just talking to recently, but I had never heard of this uh, animal before. It, it looks like uh, almost like a whale, but it's mm-hmm. got this giant spear on uh, the front of it, right? On like on its like nose. Yeah, it's got a big horn. It, it's a whale that has a big horn on the on like what you would think is like kind of the forehead. And it, it's a real animal, a narwhal. Yeah, and it's fantastic how he rides it, and he's holding on to some part of it here. And all it does is dive in the middle of town, down to the ground, and poke these huge holes in the ground. And <laughs> I love this. The caption box says, At a telepathic command from Aqualad, the tusked mammal plunges to the bottom and next instant the floodwaters are receding the town saved again but how and he says this is aqualad speaking my narwhal friend bored a hole to let the waters drain off through regular underground channels and i'm thinking if you have a town built on uh channels like this how are the towns like not sinking i don't know right yeah you yeah i okay we'll we'll we'll, they had to get the water out of there somehow i suppose well they need something for aqualad to do other than sit there and let women swoon over him i guess right i guess yeah yeah (laughs) and here's another close-up on this ugly dude mr twister yeah he's he's real ugly and creepy looking he says kid flash and aqualad they defeated my first two threats but i'll make sure they don't stop the third one and here we go with uh you know, kind of like what happened on the cover, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this this giant cloud of fire is coming, and it's it's almost like a rain cloud in that it drops, like, drops down, not raindrops, but drops of fire that start catching the whole town on fire. And, uh, hey, look, let's go into the fire department. Roll out that fire engine. So that's Robin's big idea is they're going to use a single fire engine to put the flames of an entire town out. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. We unfortunately we don't really get to see what his plan would have been, but yeah, I'm I'm very curious what he was planning to do. Yeah, Kid Flash is like, ah, I don't need a fire truck. I'll just run around and put this fire out myself. And then to zap, uh, our buddy Mister Twister uses his uh, staff to zap the crap out of him and Aqualad because he's kind of thinking, hey, Robin's just a kid with like a little bit of smarts and some sneezing powder at this point. So what's he going to do if these two people with these special abilities are you know, out of commission? He's not going to be able to stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he goes, Robin's pulling his two fallen comrades to safety. Ha ha. No need to give him a jolt without superpowers. He can't harm me. And Robin thinks to himself or actually says, Mr. Twister's made sure he'll win this time. Aqualad and I are out of action. Oh, I'm sorry. This kid flash saying this as he's like, you know, half out of it. And he's and Robin says, but I'm not. And I've had enough of that character. So we get Robin driving a fire truck at like it looks like ninety miles an hour, right? Yeah. So, I, so I guess this is what his, I guess this is his plan. What it would have been to begin with, 
I don't know. I, this this seems kind of a hackneyed kind of plan here, but you know. Yeah, I just feel like why couldn't he do this the first time he met this guy? But okay, fine, no problem. So he says, uh, "Mr. Twister's thinking Robin thinks he'll snuff out my revenge on this town. The young fool, I'll stop him dead in his tracks." So I'm thinking, is he just threatening to kill him? And Robin drives the fire truck right underneath him. And then puts it's a ladder truck, so he puts the ladder up like one of those like I don't know how many feet they are. Some of them are really really uh, mm-hmm. tall. And Mister Twister says, "I'll blast you from your perch, then see if you can fly, my young bird." And he says, uh, "Robin's monologuing inner monologue. That staff must snare it." So he takes his bat rope and just grabs the staff, and it just falls down and plunges down into like one of the houses. It looks like it's going to catch on fire, and like. That's it. He, we see uh, Mr. Twister rising up, and all of a sudden, his powers just are like poof, and he falls to the ground. <laughs> yeah, That's apparently it. the the cloak of feathers was nothing. It, it didn't do anything for him. No, and I'm thinking, is he dead? Because he did fall from out of the sky. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was up above the houses so you know in in the one panel here you've got a two-story house and he looks to be another i don't know two or three stories above that so he's like 50 60 feet in the air yeah and nobody catches him but then the next thing you know as everybody's like you know hooray we did it and there's a cop and he's got mr twister you know by the scruff of the neck here and he looks like he doesn't even have a scratch on him yeah i okay i I guess the the Ancient Indian staff had some kind of protection in it for a little while or something. Who, who knows? <laughs> and then at the end here, it's all like, yay, we love each other. And the kids have a sign that says, adults, we love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, <laughs> when did they have time to make a new sign? Yeah. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And then once again, a start of a new team of DC heroes has triumphed. Watch Brave and Bold for new teams, new adventures, new excitement. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And then, you know, uh, there's the crazy uh, Teen Titans logo uh, is there, too, at the uh, end. And, yeah, really, really cool issue, man. So, basically, it's the first Teen Titans adventure here, right? Right. Yeah, for for the most part. Yeah, I mean, they weren't calling themselves that yet, but that's basically kind of what happened here. It's, it's you know, the Teen Titans. Um, I, I wonder if, at, at the time, if they had thoughts of that or or, or anything. You know, or was this just truly intended to just be a one-off by Haney where he just threw some characters together for for his story? Yeah, you got to wonder, was he, you know, thinking to himself like, hey, I want to, you know, start this new team? Or was he just thinking, you know what, I think I'll throw these, you know, three kid heroes together and it'll be fun. It'll be a lark. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, they, they didn't. They didn't seem out of place in the story. It, it you know, the, the story was definitely written with them in mind, this story. So it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like just something that, in essence, he just threw against the wall to see what would happen. He he planned it. The the story, you know, I mean, it all fit together. You had the adults versus the teens. And so I, I don't know. I, I just I wonder even if there's if there's anybody left uh, that has any knowledge and, and if they've ever been asked, you know, hey, when this they they first showed up was was there anything more behind that other than just putting them together for this one story yeah it, it, it definitely makes you wonder because you know it's like if it was his idea to be like hey i want to start this new team uh you know if they green lit it why didn't they kind of you know 
why did it take, you know, five or six more issues for them to, uh, you know, have this new team? Why didn't they mm-hmm. just, you know, right away, next issue, boom, good to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good question. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Honestly, it doesn't matter. It was a crazy Haney comic. So I had a great time reading it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. This, this was, this was a lot of fun. Very, it, it to me, it, it very much felt like what I assume DC stories at that time were, you know, in, in large part, just very fun, very th- throw it out there to, to entertain your, your target audience who they assumed were teenagers. And, and I guess, you know, for the most part they were, and just whatever we, we just want you to buy the book. So here we'll, we'll put this goofy stuff in the book that, that we think that you'll like so that you'll buy the book and, and that, you know, that's it. We, we just want you to buy the book. Yep. And you figure, you know, you're a 10, 12 year old kid back then. You're going to see that and be like, wow, you know, these, you know, sidekicks are super cool. You can relate to them because they're, you know, air quotes kids. So you, they're the ones you're going to look up to and think are cool anyway. So you're going to buy this comic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't really give a crap who's writing and who the artist is. No, no, not <laughs> at that time. No, no, not at all. So. All right, my friend. Well, that's going to wrap this one up. So, yeah, Brave and the Bold 54. Again, it's on the app. So if you have the app, get out there and, you know, check it out. It's really good. It's, you know, everything looks really good. Good scans of it and everything looks great. It's 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 right there for the taking. Absolutely. So, okay. So uh, where uh, if anybody's looking to find you, my friend, where can they find you at? Uh, probably the easiest way to find me is uh, on Twitter at Teal, T-E-A-L Productions, uh, all one word. Um, usually you can, whatever you can tweet at, or you can message or, you know, anything like that. And I'll usually get back to you uh, probably within a couple hours. Cause I, I check it. I don't say frequently, but I, I check it more than once a day. So that, that'd probably be the quickest way. Yeah. That's like a one-stop shop for all your shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. All, all the podcasts that I do, all the podcasts that I have the privilege of guesting on, such as this one, mm-hmm. all of those shows ultimately will show up on Twitter and and other shows that, that I don't um, that that aren't part of the things that I do that I like guest on whenever they get posted. I'll retweet links to them on my Twitter as well, just on some off chance that somebody weird out there likes to listen to me yammer about comic books. So I'll I'll put that there, too. Yeah, and your comic books are you have uh, talking about Doctor Fate on your Lords of Order podcast. That's a fun one. That's a monthly, right? Yes, yes. Um, Lords of Order, uh, Doctor Fate. Uh, that's once a month. Ronin Rabbit, uh, which is month. Actually, all my shows that I do on my own, um, that I am the sole host, are are monthly. Lords of Order, Ronin Rabbit. I have a uh, Thorcast that I do with my wife, actually. She co-hosts with me, uh, the the Marvel Thor character. Mm -hmm. And then I have another one that I do that's just kind of talking about like 80s and 90s, mainly black and white books that I've just always wanted to talk about, but I've never heard anybody have a show about. So I I just decided, well, since I can't find a show, I'll make a show. And so I I talk about those books. Um, What else? I'm on, I co-host with my friend Chris Parton, Comic Addiction. And mm-hmm. I co-host the Superman Super Show with uh, Stephen Orr else, not Orr else, uh, Stephen Orr, excuse me. And uh, on that show, Comic Addiction, we just talk about everything, just comic books, whatever comes to mind. Um, new stuff, we've started looking back, getting into some older stuff. And the cool thing about the Superman Super Show is that we started 
talking about Superman from his very first action comics appearance uh, way back in the mm-hmm. golden age. So we're about uh, 20, like we, we just talked about issue three of the Superman book and like issues 20 or 21, something like that of action comics. So uh, if you just start listening to those now, you're not too, too far behind. And it golden age, anybody in DC uh, is, is just a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun talking about Golden Age Superman. He is just hilarious in a lot of different ways. Uh, and yeah, th- those shows keep me busy. Every every now and then, uh, somebody invites me to guest on a show, and, and I'll do those too. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm out there. Yeah, I've got, I grabbed a couple of uh, the DC showcase for uh, the Superman Golden Age stuff. I think, I think it's volume two or three. So I got a little ways to go until I can read along, uh, unless it's on the app. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy listening to that show. And, of course, like I said, your Lords of Order show, too, because it's cool. Because those are, especially, I don't know a lot about the Golden Age Superman stuff. Or, uh, you know, you're starting off and, you know, basically indexing with uh, Dr. Fate as well. So I love listening to that just to kind of learn about these characters' origins. It's great. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, yeah, everybody get out there, give it a follow and then uh, check out his shows. But, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap us up for uh, this one. And I want to thank everybody for listening in. And, uh, yeah, if you want to, you know, rate or review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, that would be fantastic. And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, let me know what you think. You can send me uh, any feedback, you know, through my email address. It's uh, my overall one is uh, magazines of monsters at gmail.com. So, yeah, send me, uh, you know, send me any uh, feedback about any stuff, uh, you know. Even constructive criticism, you know, I I can handle it. Send it my way. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) My feelings don't get hurt that easy. But uh, all right, that's going to wrap us up for this one. And uh, Ed, I will talk to you again in the future. So uh, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Okay, everybody, that's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Ed for being on. Uh, love having Ed on. Good guest. And uh, check out his podcasting as well. He's either the host or co-host of a lot of cool stuff. You know, you know, I love the Superman Super Show and Lords of Order. You know, it's a Dr. Faye podcast. Check those out. Check everything out he has going on. He's got a lot of good stuff going on. So definitely uh, hit up the links in the show notes and uh, we'll catch you next time.